0: Hello and welcome to episode six of the PDA writing podcast. Today I'm reading chapter six, inevitable memories from P.I. Cohn and the Bicentennial. Please enjoy. Andrew wasn't fully dressed yet when Dale knocked on the door of his house, film box in hand. Andrew opened the door in an undershirt and pants with a toothbrush between his lips. He didn't say anything, just allowed Dale passed him into the house. He pointed to a door and held up his hand, indicating that he would be there in five minutes. Talking is kind of hard when one is in the middle of brushing his teeth. Dale nodded and headed into the room. They can tell as they open the door that this is Andrew's home office for the photography business. Dale knows he has a place in town as well. There's a work table in the middle of the room, a desk with a computer in the far corner. Against one wall, there are sinks and tubs and a shelf with bottles of what they guess to be developer and boxes of probably photo paper. Dale set the box down on the table and stared for a moment at the line of string above the sinks. They shake their head and notice the windows, while currently letting in light, have thick black curtains hanging to the side. Dale could tell Andrew could make this room into a dark room with only a few adjustments. Dale was impressed. They wished they had such a place in their apartment. Dale smiled to himself. They would have to know about film and pictures first. Well, Andrew could always teach them, and they did enjoy Andrew's company. Dale sat down and waited for Andrew's five minutes to be up. Andrew came in a moment later, now with no toothbrush and shirt on. "'You have never been early in your entire life. Why start today?' Andrew seemed a little grumpy and sat down in the computer chair with a cup of coffee in hand. "'I just sometimes get enthused by my work,' was all Dale said. Andrew scowled and took a sip of his coffee. "'Bring the box over here.' Dale stood and lifted up the box, moving the few steps to the corner of the room. "'Do you know if all this film has been developed?' Dale shrugged their shoulders. I know nothing about pictures. I haven't even opened the box. I thought all film was light-sensitive. If the film has been developed, it won't react to light. If it hasn't, then I can't even scan them. I'll have to develop them first. Dale just handed the box to Andrew. Turn off the light, just to be on the safe side. I would imagine they developed everything. It would be safer. Andrew nodded to the light switch. As Dale flicked the switch, the curtains closed, and a dull red light came on instead. Dale was impressed again, but also mildly irritated with himself for not noticing the curtains were hooked up to a motor. They were supposed to be a detective, after all. They would have to forgive themselves. They seemed to have a blind spot where Andrew was concerned. Dale went to move away from the light switch. Stay there, please, Andrew said without looking up. He opened the box slowly, then gestured with the lid to Dale. You can turn the light back on. All of these have been developed. Dale obliged. Andrew started taking the negatives out of the box. Once they were all on the decks next to him, he picked up the first sleeve of them. They seem to be a little warm. I mean, it has been, what, 44 years? He seemed to be muttering to himself more than anything. Then again, this film is very durable. Some of this just looks like maybe some physical damage. Maybe some extra moisture got in the box at one point in time or they got a little too warm. He picked up the next sleeve. They should make excellent scans. My program should autocorrect some of these defects. Autocorrect? Dale was hesitant. What if it corrects something it shouldn't? It won't, Andrew said, still looking at the negatives. I programmed it myself. So you also know how to program computers? Yes, I have a degree in computer programming. I thought I told you. Andrew had put down the pictures and was now hooking up what looked like a small box to his computer. I don't think we got that far. We have mainly been going over our shared past, not much in the way of what happened when we were apart. It is a past that needs going over in order to understand what will happen in the future. Andrew opened up a program on his computer and pressed a button on the box. There's a lot here, he adjusted to the pile of negatives. It's going to take a while. We have some time before we can look at them. We were there for the past. What does it need going over? Dale had spent so much time running from their past, they weren't always enjoying revisiting it. Almost every day they spent there. We have different views on it now, and as they say, hindsight is 20-20. Andrew finally looked at Dale. Knowing our history is important for moving forward. Then what shall we discuss while we wait? Dale asked as they placed their feet up on the chair next to them. Also, why do you have so many chairs in this room? Four clients and apprentices. Dale nodded. I remember all the sleepovers you had, Dale started. I'm not sure why we were allowed so many. Your grandmother had actually talked to me about it before she died. She did? When was this? It was about a week before she died. I was at your house, as I always was, and you had gone out momentarily to get something. She had called me up to her room, saying something along the lines of needing a glass of water. When I was there, however, she talked to me instead. She told me that she had allowed all the sleepovers sleepovers at our house because she knew there weren't going to be any funny business between us. She had watched us grow up together and she had known what our relationship entailed. She did say that while she did see the beginning of something, she knew we weren't wouldn't act on it until we were adults, and then if we remember, she would always threaten our lives if we did anything we weren't supposed to do, just in case. And your parents didn't care. They were almost expecting you to get pregnant and young like your mother, Dale said quietly. Well, I proved them wrong. I mean, it helps that you never wanted to be a mother, a father, maybe one day, but never a mother. Do you remember the night I told you about that? I do. It was late at night, probably some time past midnight, and Dale and Andrew were laying in the dark on the floor, not quite ready to sleep yet. Dale's grandmother, you had yelled at them over an hour ago to shut up and go to sleep. So it was in a whisper when Andrew spoke. I don't feel like this body is right for me. What do you mean? Dale whispered back, turning their heads so they could see Andrew's face in the darkness. Angie was staring at the ceiling. I don't think I'm meant to be a girl. I don't like my name. It's too girly. Doesn't feel like me. Doesn't feel like who I am. He paused, and then so quiet Dale could barely hear him. I I want to be called Andrew. He huffed, then continued, "'Well, I doubt anyone will ever call me that. "'It's a boy's name, after all. "'What if I want to be a boy? "'What if I feel so strongly in my heart "'that my name isn't what it is? "'That my name is Andrew Morgan instead, "'and that I'm a guy and a boy, a future man?' Dale could see Andrew's hand picking at the pink sub-pajamas that his mother had insisted on buying him. He hated those pajamas, Dale knew. They looked at their friend's face, and they could see he was trying not to cry. Then to me you are one. I will no longer call you by that name you hate. You are now Andrew to me. How? How did you accept me so easily? I was expecting arguments or protests or something. Andrew was crying now as he reached out his hand to grab Dale. Because I know how it feels not to be seen as you would like to be. Dale's voice is shaking. What do you mean? Andrew sounded almost excited. I'm not a boy and I don't want to be a girl either. I'm just me, this formless, genderless person. Dale's voice is quiet, though they want to sing about this from the top of their lungs. I understand you because I also feel like I am trapped in the role not meant for me. Why are you going to assign roles based on what we were born as? Like it makes no sense to me. But, anyways, Dale reels in their frustration with society. As well as this, what doesn't make any sense to me? It makes me itch thinking about being like this forever, like I wish I could just take off my skin for a while and just exist. While still holding Andrew's hand, they gestured down the length of the body. How would your body make sense to you? Andrew was curious how one would present the lack of gender. I don't know, Dale replied softly. I don't think I can know until I finish going through puberty. Dale's voice cracked. Andrew giggled, and he said, Well, my genderless best friend, did you see who Rick is dating now? There was a beep from the sheen that was scanning the pictures. That well, was the last of them. It would just take a moment to finish processing. Dale nodded. That night is always so clear in my memory. It was the first time I had admitted that to anyone. It was the same for me. Angie turned to look at the computer. A dialogue box had popped up. It's all finished. He grabbed a large tablet from her drawer and punched a few things in. Here, you'll be able to view all the pictures on here. He handed Dale the laptop. I can take a look with you on my screen. He pointed a finger at the two monitors he had set up. The pictures are all in order, so you'll be able to see a progression of the day. Dale grinned, finally glad to be able to get back to work. They had felt better after going over that night, but it was still hard for them to handle. Getting back to something that was familiar was relieving. They scanned the pictures quickly for just looking for the pictures that held the images of the two women. They put them in a separate folder each time. Once that was done, it did still take a while. The photographer for the paper that day seemed to be very trigger-happy. Once that was done, they opened the folder they had created and started slowly looking at the pictures. Dale saw a few of the ones that were in the prints. They seemed so happy. For the first part of the day, there seemed to be nothing of note. But then as the pictures continued, someone seemed to be following the twins. The next picture Dale saw was of the two of them arguing. Not that they didn't believe the bartender, Kevin, but there was proof that they did argue that day. The person seemed to follow them for the rest of the day. Most of the photographs held this mysterious person. This person, though, was always seemed to be just too far from them to talk. It was almost like he was trying to catch up with them. There never seemed to be a good angle on him, though. In one of the last pictures, Dale saw that Mary had noticed their tail. The last picture was of them leaving the party, and, holy crap! This picture finally had a good angle on the man following them. It was Christopher Rollins. He was a spitting image of his son, the detective. Chris needed to know immediately. This was now personal. All righty, I hope you enjoyed Chapter 6, Inevitable Memories from P.I. Cone in the Bicentennial. I mean, I believe I enjoyed writing it. Um, To be fair, it's been a while. Some uh, chapters stick out a little bit more than others. Um, I mean, I was just writing more P.I. Cone for the um, second story. That's going to be coming up here soon. Um, So I was very struggling with that first chapter. That is beside the point. We're not on that story. We're on this story. Inevitable Memories. So Inevitable Memories starts out with... Dale headed over to Andrew's house with a box of photos, them talking a little bit about about the process of digitizing the photos and whether or not they're developed or not. Which I actually had to do some research on this because I knew nothing about developing photography, like what was going on with that. So I actually had to do a little bit of research and a lot of Wikipedia searching just to get the basics of uh, photography and developing it and sensitive they are to light afterwards type of thing and but film is actually very durable in case you're curious um that's something i learned but but yeah um and uh of course dale is very eager to get started because they are always eager to get started on the case and so they come before uh andrew is even finished getting ready um impatient as they always are but uh Andrew, though a little bit grumpy about it, knows his old friend and knows that's how they are um and so doesn't mind it as mind it too much um and then they get started developing the pictures and everything, um talking a little bit about their uh the state they are in not much there then um, they do talk about before we go back into that flashback memory thing um they do talk a little bit about their sleepovers, the fact that they were always having sleepover sleepovers, um, when, uh, and they weren't entirely sure why, um, they had been allowed to. I mean, it does say, obviously, a little bit, and obviously, it does go into the explanation that Dale's grandmother, um, knew they weren't going to do anything that they weren't supposed to, as one, she threatened them with, um, their lives, um, every single time Andrew subbed over just to be on the safe side, um, but she was smart enough woman to realize that nothing was going to happen between them at least not while they were still children or teenagers um and had told Andrew that later on in life before uh she passed um so and then Andrew's parents literally just didn't care he was the result of a teen pregnancy And they didn't have much different expectations for him than what happened to his mother. So, um... But then they talked about the one specific sleepover that they had where they both came out to each other. Where Andrew came out as a trans man and Dale came out as non-binary to both of them. And... Not that, obviously, this specific event has happened to me, but I understand one of the reasons why I think I enjoyed writing the flashback scene, because I remember this specifically, writing this, um, is because I know what it's like to be there, where like, hey, I am trans, or I'm bisexual, or gay, or whatever, and having that conversation with somebody, and then them coming back to you, be like, oh, hey, I feel similar, and just such a bonding moment with that person. It's like, yeah, I understand you, and you understand me, so it's just, those moments are always magical, I feel like. Um, so, and we have that moment with Andrew and his pink silk pajamas, um, that he obviously does not want to be wearing. Um, one, and I've never liked, I know some people like silk pajamas. I'm definitely not one to like silk pajamas. Not that it matters. I don't need to put my likes and dislikes on a character. Um, but for those who are assigned female at birth, why does everything have to be pink? I think Andrew, even though obviously he realized he was a trans man, even if he hadn't been, I think he would still be wondering why everything he had to have was, needed to be pink. Um, like he could have gotten purple. So he probably would have been okay with like purple silk pajamas, red silk pajamas, blue silk pajamas, but they didn't need to be pink silk pajamas. Um, but obviously when you're still a minor and your parents buy you something, you kind of have to deal with it. Um, so he kind of had to deal with that and this though I don't have ages on there I think I would imagine them the, like pre-teen to um, early teens type of age for them so like they're still uh working through puberty obviously um still figuring themselves out so but by the time obviously they're in their middle teens and late teens and into adulthood, they know who they are. Just then it's the coming out process that obviously there was issue with for both Dale and Andrew a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, so yeah, they're, they're young, but like sometimes I find, especially when I'm reading things or talking to people that Younger people sometimes have a clarity of thought that, that hasn't muddled in by the day-to-day survival that happens when you become an adult. One, um, well, because they have more time to think. Um, I know I had sometimes a little bit more clarity of thought with certain social ideas and concepts when I wasn't like worried about making sure I'm going to work or getting paying rent or doing this and that and cleaning the bathroom which actually i'd need to do but you guys didn't know that need to know that i should say um but yeah uh and so sometimes younger people and I, I say younger people i'm only 27 i'm not really old i'm just an adult with responsibilities and so i understand the clarity of thought that comes by sometimes not i mean sometimes you having responsibility is good with the clarity of thought because you understand a little bit more of how sometimes how the word works. But for more esoteric things, more theories and ideas and stuff, when you have a little bit more time to think on things, you can have a little bit more clarity of thought when you're younger and you don't have to worry about when your mind is not being used up by worrying about rent or bills or, uh, or what you do to get paid. So, I mean, with th- those theories and ideas, if you're doing that to get paid that's amazing. I don't have that luxury just yet. Um, I'm doing a podcast for a reason. Hopefully my story's out there, but yeah, that's why I have when Dale is, um, saying like, why are we even assigned roles based on what we were born as? So, and yeah, the, the, this takes place in the PICON con takes place in 2020. And so they're, 13, 14, this, so they're technically, they're, they're millennials, um, about middle of the row millennials, I would say, um, I'm personally on the edge of the millennial generation a little bit with, uh, Gen Z, too, I'm on the cusp, but, so yeah, as we get with millennials, I'm starting to, uh, debate more about, um, gender roles, obviously, we Absolutely, the debate of gender role started a very long time ago. When it comes to women's voting, um, or the the big feminist movement in the '70s um, and stuff like that, and that women couldn't have their own bank account until like the '70s, I believe. Um, and then just bring being able to bring in no contest divorce to which was a good, which it was a good like women's. I don't. I don't think it was specifically women's movement, but it helps for a woman to be able to get out of bad marriages when there's not proof. When there's not things bad, bad, but you want to get out of the marriage. That was a tangent, for sure. But anyways, but yeah, there has been lately more of a debate about gender and gender roles, and gender identity. I think is what I was going for, and that random tangent that I just did. But after like they come out to each other and then they're like, "Hey, let's gossip." You know, as friends do. Um I did that so many times. Um but then they actually go but then that memory concludes and you have the pictures done scanning. Um and they and they work on them Andrew and Dale. And Dale finds a picture of somebody who was following Mary and Victoria. And it's Christopher Rollins Sr. Um, The detective's father. And obviously they need to go run and tell Chris right away. Which, that's next chapter. God, I loved doing that chapter too. This entire story I enjoyed. I do, I specifically remember that chapter because you get a little bit more answers. There seems to be like hit and miss here with some of the stuff, but you're starting to Come chapter seven, you're starting to get a little bit more answers to everything, Um, and so that's kind of how things go. Um, So yeah, you're trying to get a little bit more of that. You get you get to know why um, Christopher Wallen Senior was following Victoria and Mary, and starts the chapter seven basically starts the conclusion a little bit. And I'm excited. I have to figure out a voice for Christopher Rollins Sr. I'm, very, I'm not the best at voices. But I'm doing my best. I still have to figure out something. But I don't think you guys need to worry about that. That's something for me to figure out in the next two weeks. So, Because I always record these a week before I edit them and post them. So it's going to be another two weeks before I do another recording. I like that schedule. It keeps me consistent. But yeah, but then... It's four more chapters, so four more episodes, and then the story's over. Are you guys excited? Are you guys, I know, technically all the chapters are posted on my website at com, So you can figure out, if you wanted to read ahead, you can figure out who the killer is and all the what happened if you wanted to. Or you can wait for another couple of months to be able to figure out who the killer is. So, and I think this comes out at the beginning of November, um, but there's Halloween in between me recording this and me posting this, so, um, I hope you guys will have a happy Halloween. I hope I will have a happy Halloween as well. Mysteries and Halloween, I feel like, just kind of go hand in hand, and apparently this is the point of the podcast where I just kind of, like, go off on random tangents, which means I should probably conclude it. So, first, please visit my website at pdawriting.com, where you have more than just P.I. Dale Cohn to read. I have stories about American heiresses in the 1800s dealing with creatures. I have stories about space. I have poetry. I have short stories. I have a lot on my website, so please go visit writing.com. It's really simple. It's literally just the name of this podcast, .com So pdawriting.com And yes, I'm going to say it more than once so you know that it's pdawriting.com Please, go. I literally just put next and last and previous and first buttons on um, P.I. Dale Cone, and I'll be working on doing that for more of the other ones too so it's easier for you guys to navigate. So yes, a- anyways go to pdawriting.com I do have a Twitter as well. If you wanted to follow me on Twitter, that is at PDA Writing. So please go follow me on Twitter. What you can support me through um, Anchor if you so desire desire to, but you can also go to BuyMeACoffee.com backslash PDA Writing, and you can support me there. You can do a one-time support. Or you can do a monthly reoccurrence or, I think, even yearly reoccurrence support. So, please, go find me there as well. This has been Episode 6, which is Chapter 6, Inevitable Memories from P.I. Cone and the Bicentennial. Please, have a good evening, everybody.